0: All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness that there is no God but God, alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. O you who believe, be mindful of God as is God's due, and make sure you you devote yourself to God to your dying moment. So my dear Sister Aisha, thank you so much. Now we have a GPS, we know about that. Thank you so much for talking about codependency and shirk. So following that theme, I'd like to share and remind us of an example from the life of the prophet, peace be upon him, and the Quran. And this lesson comes from Aisha, one of the wives of the prophet, and how she faced the temptation of shirk. So here's the story. The Muslims were living in Medina, and they faced a growing fear that the Quraysh in Mecca would attack Medina. They were also under internal attack by some in Medina who were trying to undermine the Prophet's power. So the Prophet was facing threats on both sides, both externally and internally. So facing the external threat from the Meccans, the Prophet decided to, do, to make a preemptive strike against the Quraysh before they could potentially attack Medina. And as was his practice, one of his wives would accompany him on the, ma- on the march to the battle. For this particular battle, it was Aisha's turn. And what happened with Aisha has been called the episode of the necklace, And many of you know this story. The Muslims were, victori- were they were victorious in the battle. They won the battle, and they defeated a tribe called the Bani Mutalik. And this tribe had been aligned with the, they had been allied with the Meccans. and then re- the Muslims were returning back to Mecca, uh, to Medina, rather after this battle. So Ayesha realized that she had lost her necklace, and as, she was, as, as, as the, the Muslims were breaking up their camp, she went back into the desert by herself to look for the necklace. She found it, but when she returned to the camp, the Muslims had left without her. She would have been riding in a covered chair, and apparently the men who were carrying the chair thought that she was inside. So when she found that they had left without her, She decided to wait until they realized that she was missing. She stayed at the camp. Night fell and no one came. But the next morning, a young man named Safwan, who was charged with collecting anything left behind after the battle, he found Aisha. He had her ride on his camel and he walked her back to Medina alongside the camel. So when the two young people, and Aisha was much younger than the prophet at this time, when they arrived in Medina, the rumors began to spread that Aisha had been unfaithful to the prophet. Now, Aisha was unaware of any of these rumors, but she noticed that the prophet was not as attentive to her as he once had been. Also, he had married another wife, Joaria, who had been one of the, uh, the members of the tribe that they had just defeated. She'd been a captive. Aisha was very upset, and she was so upset she became ill. And she decided to move back to her parents' home to rest and regain her health. When she moved back to her parents' home, and remember her father was Abu Bakr, one of the prophet's closest companions, she's back in her parents' home. Then she finds out about these rumors about her. She was devastated. First, that even her father and her mother didn't tell her about the rumors. And second, that her fidelity to the prophet was being questioned. She cried uncontrollably. She She was a mess. She told her mother, may Allah forgive you. You heard of such talk, and you did not tell me. Then it got worse. The prophet himself came back to check on her. He told her that she should ask Allah to have mercy on her for her mistake and that Allah is merciful. The prophet didn't believe her either. So here's where we can learn something about courage and standing up for our own truth. Aisha stood up to the prophet. When the the prophet asked her to turn to Allah for mercy, she told the prophet, no. I will not confess to something I did not do. Then she took it one step further. She told the prophet that she would use the example of Jacob, Yaqub, the father of Joseph, Yusuf. Remember when the brothers took Joseph away and Jacob didn't believe their story about the wolf devouring Joseph? Jacob put his trust in Allah. He had faith that someday, he would find out what really happened to Joseph, right? You know that story. Aisha reminded the prophet of that story about Jacob. She had faith in what the Quran was teaching. She had been paying attention. She had been paying attention to what the prophet had been receiving in the revelations. And she drew her strength from that reflection on that earlier story. But can you imagine how she must have felt? No one in Aisha's family asked her for her side of the story. They didn't even tell her about the rumors. The prophet could have asked her. Her parents could have asked her. They made false assumptions without even asking her. What a sense of betrayal she must have felt. I say what I have said, may Allah forgive us all. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to Allah. So now let me continue with the story. So Aisha's faith was rewarded almost immediately. While the prophet was still at her parents' home, he received the revelation from Allah that Aisha was innocent. In Surah Noor, which is called The Light, which is chapter 24, there are 15 ayats about this incident. So I'd like to share that with you. So please bear with me. Listen to the English translation and then we'll reflect on on what it says. Those who brought forward the lie are a body among yourselves. Think it not to be an evil to you. On the contrary, it is good for you. To every man among them will come the punishment of the sin that he earned. And to him who took on on himself, the lead among them will be a penalty grievous. Why did not the believers, men and women, when you heard of the affair, put the best construction on it in their own minds and say, quote, this charge is an obvious lie? Why did they not bring four witnesses to prove it? When they had not brought the witnesses, such men in the sight of God stand forth themselves as liars. Were it not for the grace and mercy of God on you in this world and in the hereafter, a grievous penalty would have seized you, and that you rushed glibly into this affair. Behold, you received on your tongues and set out of your mouth things of which ye had no knowledge, and you thought it to be a light of matter, while well, it was most serious in the sight of God. And why did you not, when you heard it when you heard it, say, Quote, it is not right of us to speak of this. Glory to God, this is a most serious slander. God doth admonish you that you may never repeat such conduct if you are true believers. And God makes the signs plain to you, for God is full of knowledge and wisdom. Those who love to see scandal published broadcast among the believers will have a grievous penalty in this life and in the hereafter. God knows and you know not. Were it not for the grace and mercy of God on you, and that God is full of kindness and mercy, you would be ruined indeed. O ye who believe, follow not Satan's footsteps. If anyone follow the footsteps of Satan, he will but command what is shameful and wrong. And were it not for the grace and mercy of God on you, not one of you would ever have been pure. But God doth purify whom he pleases, and God is one who hears and knows all things. Let not those among you who are endowed with grace and amplitude of means, resolved by oath against helping their kinsmen, those in want, and those who have left their homes in God's cause, let them forgive and overlook. Do you not wish that God should forgive you? For God is all forgiving, most merciful. Almost done. A few more, a few more ayats. Those who slander chaste women, indiscreet but believing, are cursed in this life and in the hereafter. For them is a grievous penalty. On the day when their tongues, their hands, and their feet will bear witness against them as to their actions, on that day God will pay them back all their just dues, and they will realize that God is the very truth that makes all things manifest. Women impure are for men impure, and men impure for women impure, and women of purity are for men of purity, and men of purity are for women of purity. These are not affected by what people say. For them there is forgiveness and a provision honorable. For them is forgiveness and a provision honorable. So what's happening here? Let's go back to what the prophet was dealing with at that time. He was under serious threat. There's no question about that. He defeated the external external threat in the battle, but that was actually the easier part. Now he had these opponents in Medina who were manipulating the rumors about Aisha to cause divisions and to stir up strife. And he was rightfully concerned. Everything was at stake at this point. So he asked Aisha to just acknowledge a mistake and move on. Public relations problem solved. How many times does that happen? A woman is asked to suppress her own truth for what is assumed to be the greater good. Just let it go, it's no big thing, get over it. In exchange, someone else benefits or seems to benefit from the situation. Okay, so bear with me here. We are seeing that play out today in the hashtag MeToo campaign. Men benefited from committing abuse and they and those who look the other way told the women, the women, to to let it go, get over it, don't upset the status quo, just move on, right? The women were asked to deny their truth. They were afraid. They were afraid of what would happen to them if they spoke up. These were powerful men. No one will believe you. No one will believe you. Either the women thought that themselves, Or in some cases, the men literally told them, no one will believe you, right? Sometimes our greatest power comes from simply stating the truth. Aisha could have handled the rumors about her differently. She could have protested. She could have tried to clear her name. She could have gone to the young man, Safwan, asked him to defend her. Tell him nothing happened, nothing happened. She could have asked her accusers to produce evidence of what they alleged. But no, she made a calculation. Given the times that she lived in, she probably knew knew the odds were pretty much against her. These were powerful men. She might have thought to herself, no one will believe you, Aisha. No one will believe you. So what's the lesson? Aisha knew that Allah is greater than any man, even a prophet. She knew that she would have to answer to Allah for anything she did in this life. And she knew that she could not admit to something she did not do. That would be a lie. Aisha revered and loved the prophet, and she fought for the mission of establishing Islam with everything she had. She would have done anything for Islam except one thing. She would not risk the displeasure of Allah with shirk, with telling a lie to please someone else besides Allah, even if that someone else was the prophet, even if that someone else was her husband. She knew she had to do two things. Number one, she had to speak her truth no matter what. And number two, she had to believe in Allah's mercy unequivocally. That's faith. So what did she do? She stood up to the prophet. Now, the Quran gives us this story as an example. And the fact that this story, in the length that it is, I told you it's 15 ayats, in the Quran, there's something important for us to learn about this. We are commanded to speak the truth and rely on Allah alone, no matter our fears. We must rely on Allah in times when no one believes us, in times when even those closest to us betray us or desert us. This is a serious test, but Allah shows us through Aisha's in this lesson that she learned, it teaches us that rather than fearing men, our greatest fear should be to do something that displeases Allah. Okay, now I was thinking about this and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm down here suffering. In Aisha's case, Allah sent a revelation to clear her name. <laughs> what about me? I'm not thinking a revelation is going to come to save me right? But what is the lesson again? When we are tested, we must do what Aisha did. We must speak our truth, knowing that we must answer to Allah. We must trust that Allah will make a way for us. At the time, it does not seem that there is a way. But Allah assures us, sooner or later, there's always a way. Again, in the words of the Quran, there is forgiveness and a provision honorable. Let us pray. Ya Allah, transform our fears into hope. Strengthen us in the same way that you strengthened Aisha. Illuminate our way with the light of your glorious Quran. Endow us with the resolve to follow its dictates and let its wisdom blossom within our souls. God commands justice, doing good and generosity towards relatives. and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Amin. Alchemy Salat, let us make the prayer.